You've probably heard that folks are leaving the big bad city downtown and moving to the burbs. Today, we're going to give you 12 reasons or tips for how to make that move. I'm Jan Gibbons. And I'm Bob Gibbons. And that's on this episode of the Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast. There is so much good about downtown. I love downtown. My dad loved downtown. It, it was vibrant. I mean, back in the day, and it's coming back again. Well, that day was in the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> I said it's coming back. <laughs> Public transportation with light rail, restaurants, shopping, hotels, live, work, play, performing arts, museums, parks. Come on now. Why would anyone want to leave downtown? I mean, you're absolutely right. There are lots of good reasons to be downtown in Dallas. I actually started working in downtown Dallas in 1984 and uh, managed. I can beat that, (laughs) but I'm not going to tell you the date. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, by the time I got there in the 80s, it was not a cool place Mm -mm. to be anymore. Scary. It had gone downhill big time. And man, today it is so much better than it used to be. I'm amazed. But downtown Fort Worth is amazing, better than downtown Dallas is, but I can see there's so many things going on in downtown Dallas that's really good. Many other cities around the world that's really good. I mean, when you visit another city, where do you always go first? Downtown. Yeah. You go to New York, you're not going up to, I don't even know the name of the suburbs. You know, when you go to Chicago, I mean, yeah, you might go through them, you might go to them occasionally, but, Well, we start with the Miracle Mile there. Magnificent Mile. Well, both of us. (laughs) Both of them. (laughs) It's a miracle if I can get on the Magnificent Mile. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's just so many reasons that downtowns are great. And, you know, they're the right place to be for a lot of companies. But you know what? The burbs are calling, especially after COVID. And it may be the better choice for some people. And one of those reasons being? Well, a lot of people think that it's going to be cheaper out in the burbs. And I'm going to say that may not always be the case. I mean, if you look at Dallas-Fort Worth, or Dallas specifically, specifically right now, downtown Dallas is one of the most affordable places to mm-hmm. be when you just look at the rent. Because, and, and I'm talking about if you're south of Ross Avenue. Right. If you're north of Ross Avenue, now you're kind of lumped into the uptown uh, Clyde Warren effect, and Clyde Warren Park effect. And that's a whole nother zip code for Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so if you go south of Ross, you can find nice buildings mm-hmm. where you're going to be paying rents in the high teens and low 20s. Whereas you go north of Ross, man, you're in the 40s, 50s, 60s in a hurry in, uh, in downtown. So, you know, now if you go out to the Burbs, well, I can show you stuff in the Burbs that ranges from 15 bucks a square foot, full service, all in, all the way up to, you know, 50 bucks. So, you know, if you're in West Plano in the Legacy Business Park, Granite Park, you know, you're at the Star in Frisco, that's not going to look like it's very um, affordable compared to downtown South of Ross. So the rent being lower is a mixed bag. Now, what you are going to save on is parking. Yeah. And commuting costs. Commuting costs for sure. Um, and you know what? A lot of times the companies that office downtown subsidize those. So they'll either pay for the parking of their employees or give them a certain amount or give them what I've heard a lot of people doing is 
giving them a uh, giving their employees a Dart uh, monthly pass for the light rail, and then if they would rather not have the light rail, well, they'll give that same value um, to them for use uh, in parking if they prefer to park. So, you know, parking is definitely a big thing. In fact, I was working with a client recently on a downtown deal, and the parking charges alone were going to be about well more than five dollars a square foot per year equivalent. So, yeah, you get a building that's 25 bucks a square foot, Mm -hmm. but then you add another five or six bucks a square foot for that parking. You got to make sure that's a a part of it. Well, so another thing about being downtown would be that you get to spread out. And, you know, when you're spread out right now in the the wake of COVID, you know, that could be good. I mean, if you're going to go out and lease more space so that you can spread your people out so that they'll all come back to the office... You know that may be um, a good thing to do. Now, you know if you're if you're spread out, you can spread out in a downtown building just as easily as you can in a suburban building, right? So it's all about the um, you know the product type, uh, what kind of uh, design you're going to do. Some people are talking about going through um, a com- through a um, really changing the way they're going to be set up, and maybe going to an a office flex property or to a uh, Shameless plug for episode number 42, where we talk <laughs> about the hub and spoke model. There you go. Or um, they might even go into a closed big box retail store mm-hmm. that isn't going to be leased anytime soon. Uh, but, you know, you got to check zoning on that one because that may not be immediately available. Okay. I have to say my favorite here, closer to home. So that's a benefit of being in the burbs? Yeah. I can drive home and take a nap at lunch. Well, only if you live there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. They're trying to make it accommo- the accommodations for the employees so that their work environment experience is more conducive to their live-work-play type style where it's a more balanced thing. I can go check on the kids or, oh, Susie has a recital at 4.30. I came mm-hmm. in early, so I'm going to take off early, but I can get there because I don't have an hour and a half commute. You know, it's funny you say that because um, prior to COVID, a lot of the commercial real estate firms, the really large ones, were relocating to Uptown because they were trying to attract younger uh, employees and, and people that Pretty were going to work with them. people, under 30. Uh, and yet what I found was is that whenever I was going to show space for one of our clients, uh, I would often hear from them, well, can we do it in the afternoon at like 3.30 or 4 <laughs> o'clock? Because they were trying to say, well... Right are... before happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, and more importantly, they lived out north. Mm-hmm. So they're like, hey, let's go ahead and set that Absolutely. up so I can beat the traffic mm-hmm. and I'll already be at home before um, it's too late. But, you know, in this case, I would say, you know, companies should really map out where their employees live because they might... What's our keyword? Uh, scatter chart. Scatter, I'm okay. sorry. I just love that. <laughs> and I think that's such a good thing you do with our customers is a lot of times when they're considering where to go, what to do, you often say, if you'll send me the addresses of where your staff lives, you know, redact the name, just give me an address. I'll do a scatter chart. You can throw up on the wall and go, oh, there's the center point. I just think that's brilliant. Well, and, and I, I may have told this story before, but uh, we have a client who really, really, really wanted to get closer to his home, but he felt guilty because <laughs> he didn't want to look like, oh, well, we're just doing it because the boss uh, wants to be closer to home and cut down on his commute. But the commute had increased from 20 minutes to 40 minutes over the like four or five years that he'd been there because of so much influx of people into the area. And so I said, just give me the addresses of all your employees. So he finally did it. 
And I just laughed whenever I saw the results because his house was smack dab in the geographic center of where all of his employees lived. Mm-hmm. So actually being close to home everyone. would have been the best thing for him. Now, you know, he was too cheap to pay for that. but <laughs> <laughs> Names redacted. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, I mean, being closer to home is a big benefit for employees, but you got to be careful as where they are. Uh, to make sure you're really going to do that. And it could save them time and money, give them a better work-life balance, all that kind of stuff. So that's that's good. But their flip side to this is if you're going to be somewhere where it's close to home for your employees, well, don't forget your customers. You know, where are your customers yeah. going to be? Can You know, you might want to map that out too uh, because they may – you don't want to have the people that are giving you the business farther away from you if they're going to come to you. Or perhaps if your employees, once they're in the office, have to go travel to the mm-hmm. customer, maybe that's a consideration as well. So Not a good look when your salesman shows up with crumbs on his collar because he had to pack his lunch and eat it in the car <laughs> to go out for a sales call. <laughs> could be. So I think, you know, there's always a balance between closer to home and closer to customers. So uh, I would just say be sure to focus on both of those things. How about smaller satellite offices? Well, you know, I think this is going to be something, uh, you know, we talked about the hub-and-spoke model that Granite Properties uh, was doing with Common Desk last time. Episode 42. (laughs) And so I think that that's going to happen more and more. In fact, we're working with a company right now based out of Atlanta, and uh, they previously had a single location in Dallas that served basically all of Texas, part of Oklahoma and and, Texas. maybe a couple of other surrounding states. And they did all their manufacturing in, in Atlanta and shipped their product here. Well, now they're saying, you know what? Number one, we're being killed by our distribution costs because the cost to distribute, uh, to to uh, ship that thing, that stuff over to Texas is really expensive because it's a very lightweight but very big and bulky product. So they wanted to reconsider that. And then... The, they have a model where most of the time the contractors that buy their product to install in people's homes, those contractors go and pick it up. So this is a classic got to be close to the customer issue. And uh, and so they um, they just relocated their Dallas location. They are uh, We just did a lease for them down in San Antonio where they're adding that. They're probably going to add, add several more. So they're definitely in the middle of doing the smaller satellite offices, but it's interesting because they have, they're, they're talking about doing manufacturing here so that it'll cut down on their transportation mm-hmm. costs and getting closer with smaller satellites to, um, to those customers as well. And that may be something that people want to do in offices. I mean, we've already seen this with law firms, for example. Some of the downtown big law firms have satellite offices in Frisco and have for many years because they they know that they have attorneys that they really want to be working there that don't want to commute downtown. They have clients that don't want to go downtown for meetings. So um, we've seen this on a small scale, but I think this is something we're going to see a whole lot more in the future. Okay. Less time in elevators. Is that something you want? Um, I would probably say yes. And why? Well... For me, it's ADHD Jan, but... You just want to get in and push every button? No. (laughs) I said Jan, not Elf. (laughs) No, it's uh, it takes too long. And then when I want to run out and get a coffee, oh, yeah, okay, I'll just take the stairs. Oh, yeah, oh, uh, yeah, never mind. And then, of course, the other thing is you're in there with Hack Up Harry, who's coughing up a lung, and, you know, you have to touch all the buttons. And it's just enclosed area. I mean, usually... For what I've done of late, it's not that big a deal. But I remember working in downtown Dallas back in a redacted year. 
that I worked on the 27th and 28th floor of the Trammell Crow Center. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, I was a sardine if I got in there at 830. Well, it, but you also had to add time to your commute. Absolutely. Because you had to find parking, and then you had to get on that elevator. Oh, I didn't have to find parking. Oh, well, yeah, because we paid through the I nose for it. I paid to park underground. Yeah, no, it's... um. There was one day I started to feel a little claustrophobic. We were just armpit to armpit in that elevator. Mm-hmm. And 27 floors is a long time, especially if you start stopping at every other one. Well, and if you think if you're in, in uh, Chicago, New York, mm-hmm. some of these others were... You, 110 you, floors. Yeah. I mean, and well, <laughs> no. and not just 110 floors, but you have to change elevators because right. you might have to change, right. you know, and ride two or three elevators to get to the to your floor. So, you know, Can, I think... Do they have a Concord elevator? <laughs> I think, you know, there are, again, in the COVID effect, there are going to be people who think that they would be better off not spending as much time in an elevator, uh, confined space. And so when you get to the to the suburbs, typically your buildings are shorter. So instead of having, like in Dallas, the, the tallest building is, I think, 72 stories. Well, in the suburbs of Dallas, I think the tallest building I can think of is maybe 20 or 25 so, um, you know, it's smaller to start with, but most buildings in the suburbs are what I would call mid-rise buildings that are anywhere from two to eight stories. Mm-hmm. And so your time in that elevator is going to be much, much less. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are going to like that. So out in the burbs, we're going to have easier parking. But when it rains, <laughs> I'm not covered. Well, maybe. I mean, there are a lot of buildings in the burbs that have structured parking garages, either above ground or below ground. Uh, But you're right. The percentage of the parking that's on the surface, uncovered, exposed to the rain or the sun is a much higher percentage. But then it's also free in most cases. I mean, yeah, but the classic story I love is of our daughter that worked in Chattanooga at a plant. And from the time she got her car parked, wherever it was in the parking lot, to the time she actually got to her desk, was about a mile. And about 20 minutes. And so to tack that on to her drive and whatever she was wearing that day, I mean, you're not coming in as stilettos walking a mile before you even sit down. Especially in August. Oh, man. Well, yeah, I mean, so, but that that was a plant. That's a little bit different thing. In an right. office building, right. you know, the parking is usually a lot closer. Uh, it's usually free. Now, if it is in a, in a garage parking situation, then there may be a, a charge for that. And if it's reserved parking, it's probably going to have a charge associated with that as but well. But it will be cheaper than those downtown prices. Oh, man. I, well, I'm, this client that I'm working with right now for downtown, we got a quote, parking, unreserved parking was $280 a month. Reserved parking was 325 a month per space. And they had valet parking, which was only $180 a month. My car ain't nice enough to afford that. <laughs> and in the suburbs, it's rare that I see anything more than about seventy-five or hundred bucks for a reserve parking. I was going to say and 50, for but... for unreserved, it's you know usually thirty-five at fifty at the most if they charge at all. So yeah, parking is usually going to be an easier easier issue in the suburbs. Okay, amenities. I'm yeah. not sure I'm I, I, which way you're going on this one because I think there's more <laughs> amenities downtown than there are out in the burbs. You know, and I say historically you would be right. 
because downtown you have all the things you mentioned in the intro, the museums and the restaurants and the light rail and all kinds of stuff. But somebody will come take my car and do anything to it I want. That was not a, that was in the suburbs. Well, if you, you consider that. Addison a suburb, it is. I would say it absolutely okay. is. So, if you, but that was more a function but, of the size of the building. True, but that was not a walkable building. I could never go it anywhere. It was once to you eat. were inside. Well, <laughs> it had a lot of stuff inside that was walkable. <laughs> I mean, it was three buildings combined in right. one. But I couldn't go out anywhere. I always took my car when I left the building. That is true. It was not walkable. That but is yes, true. And most of the time in the burbs, the walkability is not the big mm-hmm. deal. Now, you get to places like the shops at Legacy, Legacy West, um, you know, things like that. You're going to find it to be a lot more walkable in those right. situations. Or if you're at like Mockingbird Station. Uh, so there's a lot of places that are walkable or, uh, you know, even places where you have this sort of um, um, mixed-use development like Waters Creek, South Lake Town Square, um, you know, those kind of places definitely are walkable because, you know, once you get there, you park your car and you're, you're, you don't have to move it for the day. Right, you can go right. shopping, you have lunch at a lot of different places, there's a park there. So, yeah, I mean, so you're right. Which way am I going on the amenities? You know, I would say it's a toss-up toss because some places are going to be better than others. It just depends on what you need and what you're willing to pay for. The more amenities there are, the tip, typically the higher end the building is and the higher the, the rent. But my bottom line right now especially is employee experience that you mentioned earlier is a big, big deal. If you're going to ask your employees to come back to the office, give them a reason to come. Yeah. And, uh, and amenities is uh, important to that. Uh, again, we're working with a client right now that are in a small little building on the tollway, which is really inexpensive. It's like 18 bucks all in, 19 bucks, something like that. But they want a building where they have amenities. They want a common conference room, a fitness center, a place to eat, all that kind of thing. And, you know, they're probably going to have to increase their rent considerably to do that. But again, they're trying to get all their employees back to the office. Yeah, but the cool thing is if there's no cafe where you can eat, then you don't need the fitness center. <laughs> let, let, let's back engineer this. Hey, Snickers will fit in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and another thing that would be crucial to trying to make this decision would be hire an architect. And I, I think this is really important. And most of the time people don't hire an architect. They wait until they've narrowed the list of buildings uh, to you know, two or three buildings, and then they ask the landlord, hey, you know, lay this out. Show us how, how you could lay out a requirement. Make a space plan. Sometimes I think it's important that people hire an architect early and do a space program. You know, we, we do a space program where we help clients identify all the different spaces they're going to need, how many conference rooms, offices, kitchens, all that kind of stuff. But when you engage an architect, now you're really going to be talking about not just all the spaces you need, but what is the feel of the place? What's the... What's the message you want to communicate to your employees and to your customers with your space? You know, what's how is that space and the way it's laid out and the art you use and the interior design of it, how is that going to support the corporate culture that you want? And most importantly, how close is it to the Starbucks? <laughs> if well, maybe downstairs, depending on the <laughs> building you pick. So, yeah, I think hiring an architect is a good idea. Most people don't do that, but I do think it's a good idea and uh, and especially if you have if you hire your own architect, the landlord may still pay for that. <coughs> Excuse me. So I mean, for example, um, we can have an architect on our team, and even when we go to, you know, different buildings, we could say, "Hey, we're going to be using you know X Y Z architect to help us with this." 
Uh, so we're not going to use the landlord's architect of record. That way the client can go meet with one architect, then that architect gets the CAD files on each of those buildings and lays, shows out how they're going to lay out that space according to the client's needs. Whereas if you're using the landlord's architect, well, now every building has their own architect, and you got to go have three meetings if it's three buildings. And it just takes a lot more time. So I think hiring an architect on the team for the tenant is a good idea if you can, uh, you know, do it. And here's my all-time favorite. Hire a tenant rep broker, Riata Commercial Realty. You are so self-serving. Pretty much. <laughs> and I appreciate it. It is my podcast. <laughs> well, especially in today's environment, not that there's ever been a time when I would have said you shouldn't use a broker, but... You know, having a broker to represent you in your office needs is really crucial because, I mean, leases are changing. The clauses that we are adding into some of the uh, leases are different. The way we are negotiating some of those clauses are different. Um, you know, the, the tenants need an advocate on their side. I mean, they typically are signing a lease once every five or ten years. You know, they're negotiating against somebody that's doing leases every single day. And so they're just sort of outgunned when it comes to knowledge. So um, they really need somebody on their side who is knowledgeable and does this every day for a living. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think it's important. I mean, we're negotiating more free rent than we've seen since the 1980s, um, reduced rental rates, more tenant improvement allowances, things like contraction options. You know, hey, five year, three years into the deal, five years into your deal, if you don't need all your space, wouldn't it be nice to be able to give some of that back to the landlord? Say, thank you very much. We don't need this anymore. Yeah. I, so it's stuff like that that we're starting to uh, to do. And because it's now a tenant's market for a change, we hadn't had a tenant's market in 10, 12 years. And uh, so now that we have a tenant's market, we really have some power to do this. So if you're going to keep an office, hire a tenant rep and do it right. How about talking to your employees? You know, with all these things we've been talking about, that really, to me, is one of the most important things because, you know, we talked about amenities before. We talked about spreading out, being closer to home. We talked about, you know, mapping out where they live. But nothing beats just talking to them and asking them what matters to them, what they're looking for. Now, you got to be prepared for the consequences of that, however, because if you go ask them what they want— and then you don't give it to them, they may not be very happy. Well, you can't give them everything. I think the most important thing is that they felt heard. I think being heard is really important, but I think there's ways to do it that is going to make it um, easier to uh, defend your your ultimate decisions. Like, you know, we've talked quite a while ago about doing like a forced ranking of mm -hmm. what you want. So what's more important to you, the deli in the building, covered parking, walkable to other things, uh, a fitness center, conference center, I mean, all these kinds of things. Do you want a shoeshine person in the in the lobby? You know, if you sort of do a forced rank situation, then you're gonna, probably going to get a better idea of what matters the most to them and see some trends. And then you, um, and, and you have a range of things. So I think this is really an important one that uh, people should really do a lot more of. And move with pros... And my old favorite, get insured. Yeah. As a former insurance agent, <laughs> everything comes back to insurance with you. Risk. Risk management. Well, I mean, just like we said you should hire a broker, because a tenant rep, because you need somebody on your side who knows what they're doing. Same thing whenever it's time to move. 
man, don't try to do it yourself. And, and rarely do I see companies do this. I do see small companies do this, but big companies are, are never going to do this. And that's a good idea. But, you know, keep your employees focused on what they're doing. Let them stay selling your products, making your products, serving your customers, all that kind of thing. Don't have them packing everything up and Opening and, yourself up to a work comp claim. Ex- exactly. You know, leave this job to the pros. Hire a moving company. Make sure they uh, are insured and that you're insured properly uh, because all those things are going to come back at you. You know, even whenever, that's one of the reasons to hire a tenant rep as well because if clients are getting in the car and driving around town and making phone calls to all the, you know, leasing agents that they see on the signs in front of the building. That takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they're making, you know, if they're an attorney billing out at $400 an hour, what a waste. I mean, totally. they will more than uh, save the whatever amount the tenant rep's going to get paid in the deal just by saving their time. Because you know it ain't $400 an hour for a tenant rep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe not this tenant rep. (laughs) Hopefully there's a one out there. (laughs) Well, you know what? We'd like to thank the peeps for listening to us yet again. I had an email today saying what a good job we're doing. And that was from Michigan. I know. I was just so pleased. That was nice to hear. Yes. And on this episode of Confessions of a Recovering Landlord, we covered a lot of good info today. I think you should take it to heart. We don't normally, so... (laughs) (laughs) But if it all slipped by you and you just want fast help, call Riata Commercial Realty at 972-677-0028 or check us out on the web at texastenantrep.com. The interwebs will lead you to uh, nirvana. Well, please tell other people about it. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you get this, and uh, that'll help other people find us. Thanks so much. Be back next week. Bye.